Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett. And on today's episode, we are joined by Mr. Jeremy Miner. Jeremy is the chairman of 7th Level, which is a global sales training company ranked 1,232nd fastest growing company in the US by Inc. Um, actually, the number one fastest growing sales training company, which is pretty epic. Now, uh, Jeremy actually is someone that I heard, well, he actually you know, sold me a product many, many moons ago. And uh, I was like, this guy is good. So when the opportunity came up to get him on our podcast, I was like, we've, uh, we've got to get him on. We've got to get him on here and, and pick his brain on all things sales. Um, and then he'll give you some free resources as well uh, to be able to improve your sales, improve your sales questions, and actually you know, have a better outcome when it comes to your sales. Because let's be honest, the leads are not weak, but the questions you are asking them are weak. And Jeremy is going to delve into that for you guys. And of course, if we can help you with anything marketing related, head over to our free group on Facebook. Just go to www.joinmygroup.com.au. We've got everything marketing. We've got a free training in there for you as well. As well as Jeremy's, you're getting all the presents today, guys. It's nearly Christmas. But until then, let's jump into the show. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you making the time. Uh, Kim, thanks uh, thanks for having me on. I just realized that you're one of our clients now. So I didn't even I didn't even know I'm the, I'm the chairman emeritus. I just sat here and do nothing, you know. So I'm like, to get on podcast, but I don't I don't get to, to get down in the in the dirty. But I, I just realized before I got on this podcast that you're one of our clients. Yeah, and it's great great to be on. That's why I was like, yes, they're like, do you want to have Jeremy on? I was like. Absolutely. Considering I, I pay these guys, surely I should have them on my podcast. <laughs> it might be a good fit uh, to have them on. There you go. Good. Yeah. So it's great to have you. Now, I always like to kick off the podcast in the same way every time, which is if I met you at a party and I wasn't one of your clients and I came up to you and I said, Jeremy, what is it that you actually do? What's mm. your go-to answer? Well, I, I would say, you know, because I get asked that a lot, you know, you're out at network functions and you're just walking around and, and the question always comes up, like, what do you do? And I and I I always hate it when, you know, I ask somebody like that, like, hey, what do you do? And they're like, I sell real estate. I'm like, well, OK, I know 50 other people that sell real estate. Like, how does that separate you from anybody else? So what I would say, uh, what we do is uh, it'd probably be described in this, like, you know how a lot of companies, um, even salespeople that work for those companies get frustrated because they lose sales to low-cost competitors. They're concerned that their salespeople are you know, not consistently hitting their sales targets. They're like up one month, down one month, up one month, down one month. So we take teams like that, okay? So we take teams like that and we transform the way you know, they and their team sell by learning specific skilled questions and techniques that work with human behavior. That's the key word that work with human behavior rather than against it. We call those neuro emotional persuasion questions stands for NEPQ. And we teach them the right tonality that puts their prospects at ease, eliminates sales pressure and triggers the prospect to actually want to engage, to want to open up and actually persuade themselves of what you're offering, which in turn gets the prospect to view you as the expert, the trusted authority that's going to get them where they want to go. And by that, consistently hit their sales targets each and every month. And in a nutshell, I would say that's what we do. 
I love it when uh, there's like sales trainers and whatnot, they share what they do. So you can tell it's like, it's uh, very nicely pre- like prepared and it's like you have the exact way and you hit on the hit on uh, a few emotional of, things for people a along the way. Boring, a bunch of boring stuff, I know. <laughs> no, I like it. It's better than it's like, I'm a sales trainer. So, you know, or I'm a sales yeah, coach. It's, what does that mean? It's, how, yeah. It's about how what you do helps other people, right? So when somebody asks you like what you do, you want to have what's called like a personalized intro on how what you do helps other people. And you mentioned a few problems that you know that maybe those people have and how what you do solves those because then that separates you from the rest of the pack and they view you differently than how they view everybody else. It just says, well, I'm a real estate agent. Well, they just lumped you with all the other 50 real estate agents that they know. So you want to come up with something that tells how what you do helps other people and that separates you in their mind. Love that. And now I have to ask one completely random question. I have a ton of sales questions for you, but because I can see your wall for anyone that's listening, go and check out the video on YouTube or Facebook because uh, I can see on your wall behind you, you've got two signed uh, gridiron or American footballs and then you've got two signed baseballs. I'm a big fan of like sign memorabilia. I've got a signed Michael Jordan ball over here. I've got a Tiger Woods uh, uh, golf ball and I see yours and I've got to ask, who are they signed by? Yeah. Okay. So I'm a sports member collector. So I'm a collector, probably like you. I probably, I bet you have at least, I don't know, 300 grand worth of like sports stuff like that. So this one right here, this is a Tom Brady signed Super Bowl ball, Super Bowl ball from the Super Bowl where the Patriots beat the Seattle Seahawks. I think that was five years ago. So that's from the actual game. That, That was a few bucks. This one right here is signed from Peyton Manning when he was the quarterback for the Denver Broncos. I'm a big Peyton Manning fan. I hated the Broncos because I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. But when he when he got traded from the Colts to the Broncos, I'm like, shit, I've got to go for Peyton Manning. So this is the year. This is one of the 55 uh, touchdowns he threw that year. This is one of those balls. That was a few. This is a signed helmet from that year. He won the MVP from Peyton Manning. You can't see it, but he signed up here. This right here is the a Hall of Fame ball signed by Ozzy Smith from the St. Louis Cardinals, the world-renowned shortstop, like considered the top two or three shortstops ever. So that's his signed, one of his signed Hall of Fame balls. I actually met him at a Hall of Fame event uh, a couple months before COVID, actually. Seems like the, the world is, is completely different since COVID, right? Uh, but yeah, that's that's what those are right there. And, and I like those. So I, I put them up here, you know. Those are, the, oh, you know, probably my best piece. Uh, if you're a baseball fan, is I have an original, like huge blown out picture of the first ever picture of Pete Rose running out of the dugout as a rookie in 1964. It's the first ever wow. picture of him being in the major leagues with the Cincinnati Reds. That's amazing. I, I yeah, I'm a huge like collector of things in general, but especially like uh, sports memorabilia and whatnot. And like every time I uh, do something or, or hit a certain goal, I'm always like, I add something to the collection. So yeah, I, uh, I had well, to, I had to ask. It's a good investment. I mean, those, these things go up in value, you know, and in, in it, let's say that, you know, in 50 years, I'm not here on the earth or whatever, a transition and my, my son has all of my stuff. I mean, it's probably going to be worth, I mean, freaking five to 10 times more than what it's worth now. So I look at it, I try to convince myself that it's a good investment. I love that. And now circling back. So obviously you mentioned that you guys, you have a very specific methodology. You teach people in NEPQ. How long have you 
been doing that and when did you kind of identify and actually give a framework to it because i know i think my first actual experience with you was back in the day of uh online businesses and i i think you were um doing some sales one of them you probably actually i think you've probably sold me at the time as well i bought a program from one a program back many many eons ago and i was on a group call and i heard you talking and i was like man this guy is good like i really really like what this guy's saying it's like i'm just gonna buy this thing anyway um just because oh, yeah. yeah i was like well, I've, I've, yeah I've i mean I, I, got, I got started in in sales i mean geez you're talking about 20 years ago kind of as a as a broke burned out college student right i got recruited at a, at a job i got my first job selling security systems door to door of all things right and the company gives you a script you know, a few of the books by the old gurus, read these, you know, that, you know, from 1975 or whatever, and you're reading them and you're like, oh my gosh, it's going to be so easy because everybody tells me I'm going to make sales. And they drive you out in a van, you know, when you go door to door, if anybody's listening, that's done door to door, you know what I mean? They drive you out in a van, they drop you off in a neighborhood and they're like, hey, we're going to pick up after dark, go make some sales, you know, and they drop like 15 of us off there, right? You know, a month later, there's like two of us left because everybody else has quit. And so we started, I started to knock on the doors and I was all excited about the product and the service and, and everything that it was going to do. And I would start talking to them about, it's going to do this and it's going to do that. And it's going to make you better, you know, cheaper. It's going to be cheaper than what you have. And I started noticing I was getting all of these objections. Like we can't afford it. We don't need it, Jeremy. I'm good. We're not interested. Um, you know, we need to keep looking around. We're getting more quotes. Can you call me back in a week, a month, a year later? And I got to a point, I would say probably after about seven or eight weeks of hardly making any sales. I was a 21 year old kid. Okay. Recently just gotten married, had a little baby, little baby girl. Okay. So like pressure's on, like you got to perform. You can't go live with mommy in the basement. All right. You got to be a man now. All right. You got to do something. And so I got to a point where I was, I remember just one night, you know, setting, setting, I mean, this is crazy. I was talking about this on, on a different podcast I was on. I was like standing there. I had worked like 12 hours a day. I made zero sales. So it's a straight commission job. I worked 12 hours, made $0. I would have made more money if I would have worked at McDonald's. That week I made one sale. So I made like 200 bucks, 200 bucks the whole week. I probably worked 60 to 70 hours. Okay. I'm like sitting there and I'm like, I remember my legs were like aching. It was like 10 o'clock at night. I'd been out there since like noon and my, my feet were like rubbing against the hot concrete, like sweat was drenching down my back. It's like in the middle of July, it's hot here in the United States. And I, and I, and I was like, oh, you know, like, how, how can I do this? I felt like broken as a man. Like, how could I go home to my wife at the time and basically say, hey, we're not going to have enough money to pay rent. Like, we're going to have to move in with your parents in the basement. Okay. How embarrassing was that going to be? And I think I got to a point where I thought, you know, maybe, maybe selling just wasn't for me. You know what I mean by that? And uh, I, that night the sales manager picked me up uh, and he popped in a CD back in the day, 20 years ago, people listened to CDs. He popped in a CD by Tony Robbins actually. And Tony said something that, that completely changed my life. I might be butchering what he said, cause it's been a while, but he said, he said something like this. He was talking about skill level and he said, most people fail really for the simple reason they don't learn the right skills that are necessary to succeed. They don't learn the right skills. And he goes on to say that everybody's actually taught skills. He's like, most people are taught skills, but the people who fail are the ones who were not taught the right ones. And I'm like, that makes sense because I never, it occurred to me like, you know, maybe, maybe what the company was teaching me or training me about sales and maybe what these what I call the old sales gurus had in their books, maybe they just weren't the right skills. You know, maybe they were just outdated and didn't work that way. I didn't even think that could be a possibility. Now, here was my dilemma though. 
So I'm going to college at the same time. My, my uh, degree was in behavioral science and human psychology. Okay. An interesting subject when we're talking about persuasion. And so my professors were, were teaching in all these books and seminars that I was going to that the most persuasive way to get a human being to make a decision is this, like over here. But all the gurus were telling me it was this. And I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, the professors that study this, that have all these, the science behind it saying it's here, but the gurus are saying it's here. And I would notice that I would use some of the gurus things that they would say about overcoming objections and rebuttals. And I noticed that when I would say them or use them, I would actually most of the time end up losing more sales than if I didn't use them. And so I got to a point where like, there's something to this. So what I did is I learned how to take behavioral science, that theory okay, of why human beings make decisions and incorporate that into a sales process, okay? And I started to develop, I mean, NEPQ in 2001, when I started in sales was like, I didn't know, you know, I wouldn't even know what that meant by that point, right? It took me years to develop it, but my end kept going up that within a year, top salesperson, the entire company, out of like 300. Within three years, top salesperson, the entire industry in the United States, okay? Within five years, I made almost a million dollars in commissions. I was like 26, in one year, made almost seven figures in commissions. I was a 21-year-old, 26-year-old kid. I thought I was like, you know, Donald Trump. I thought I was like a billionaire or something at that age. And it just kept going up until I was making multiple seven figures a year as a W-2 salesperson selling for a company. And then I finally got to a point, this was probably, you know, 2015, 2016, I'd kind of left my career and because people kept hitting me up, like, can you train me to sell? Like, you know, from just various industries, not even the industries I was in. And I started doing some part-time consulting. And then in, uh, we started Seventh Level and basically end of 2017, 2018. So every year when I was in sales, my income kept going up and I kept developing NEPQ further and further and further. And then we got into sales training and kind of the rest is rest is history. You know, we won the Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies in the United States for 2021. Uh, ranked, uh, I think, 1,200. And, I mean, not that it matters, but ranked 1,230 something and and fastest growing company in the United States and actually ranked number one fastest sales training company in the United States. Uh, and it's really, it's not really anything that we do. It's just the results we get for our clients that has really gotten us to that. So that's, that's, that's why I'm in the ball game for results. I love that. And what's, because I think a lot of times, as you mentioned there, like when you first start out, you've got the enthusiasm, um, like anyone would have, even when it's their own business, they have the enthusiasm for sales. They're going there and maybe not using the right tools, but what's what's one thing that you would share with people where, because a lot of times I hear people where they go, great, they get presented with maybe the right tools where it's the right questions, process, thought patterns to have, but they, they get nervous or they kind of like, they're like, oh, but that's not what I would normally say or I wouldn't normally phrase it like that. And that's not how I would say it. What's one thing you could share with people about maybe overcoming that for themselves? Because uh, a lot of the times when you know people get given a, a script or a process to follow, I'm sure you guys would probably be number one fastest growing if every single person followed your process to the T and actually applied it all. What's one thing you could share with people about uh, about that process and understanding well, I, I like, think, and working think, through? I think as a, as a sales professional or an entrepreneur or solopreneur or business owner, whatever you are listening to me right, it's all how you view what selling is. Okay, most salespeople, I hate to say this, most companies, most sales trainers have taught them to be that selling is somehow adversarial. Like it's you against the prospect, trying to win them over, manipulate them, pressure them to make money so you can make a commission. 
That's what average salespeople do in 2021. Okay, we're in a different age. This is not boiler room selling from 1983. Okay, the prospect is far more skeptical and cautious than they've ever been. They don't fall for that kind of stuff with the power of the internet and social media. You just can't do that if you want to be good. Average salespeople do that. Okay, um, if you want to be great at selling, you have to start thinking uh, like what we call being a problem finder and problem solver, not a product pusher. There's a major difference in that way of thinking. Okay. Now, if you're, if you're listening to me right now and you're maybe in your office or you're in your house and you've got a pen and a piece of paper, grab that. If you're driving down the road and you're listening to Kim and I, you know, don't kill yourself. Just remember this in your head. So I always do this exercise with people at events. And I say, look, let me ask you this question. Grab a pen and a piece of paper. And I want you to write down and I want you to answer this question. Raise your hand if your prospects have problems. Who in here has prospects that have problems? Everybody raises their hands. Yes, well, my prospects I talk to have problems. So everybody knows listening to me, your prospects have problems because there's no product or service that was ever made that didn't solve some type of problem, even an emotional need problem. Like if you sell Lamborghinis, it solves an emotional need problem. It's not necessarily it gets you from point A to point B. You can buy a Honda for that, but it solves an emotional need. So anything has been invented in mankind's history that solves some type of problem. Now, I want you to write down the two biggest problems that your, your product, your service solves. So write down two problems, your product, your service solves. Now look at those two problems and ask yourself, does your solution solve those two problems? Does your solution solve those two problems? And everybody's gonna be like, yes, my solution solves these two problems. Oh my gosh. You'd be surprised how many people don't even know what problems their prospects have when we ask them this question. Like, what? I don't know what the problems are. Well, that's probably one of your problems that why you're not selling as much. Okay. So yes, you have problems that you that your that your service, your product solves. Now, here's the question. Okay. If your prospects have problems and your solution solves those problems, then what is the missing link? Why are they not buying from you? Now, when I ask that events, people are just like, it's like they, they've never thought about that before. Like, I'm not sure. I don't know. I just, I hope and pray that it's going to work out. I'm just winging all the time. I, I can see their mind racing. Like, I don't know why they buy. Maybe it's the lead. Okay, let me make a suggestion. It's not your leads. It's not that you don't meditate enough in the morning or listen to enough personal development, or get pumped up enough, or it's not that you don't work hard enough. I know so many hardworking salespeople that bust their ASS off that are completely broke. You know what it is? It's what you are saying, and more importantly, not asking. That's triggering your prospects to run the other way. So once you change what you're saying, and most importantly, you learn the right questions to ask, but at the right time, with the right tonality, the right delivery, and that sales conversation, all of that changes for you. You see, in our day, like I said, you have to be better at problem finding than even problem solving. And why is that? If your prospects don't buy from you, you can't really solve their problems, right? They don't buy your services, Kim. You cannot solve their problem. So you have to think of yourself as a problem finder, okay? And that means asking the right questions that helps your prospects find problems in their mind that they didn't even know they had. You can't tell them what their problems are because you're biased. You're the salesperson. That goes in one ear out the other, right? You have to help them realize because most of your prospects, when you first start talking to them, maybe Kim, you can attest this, don't even know that they have a problem or maybe they don't know what their real problems are 
Or maybe when you first start talking to them, they don't understand how bad their problems are, or maybe what the consequences of the problems are if they don't do anything about solving them. Now, once you learn advanced questioning, you know, you learn any BQ, not only are you able to help them find maybe one problem, but you're able to help them see in their mind that they have two, three, maybe four other problems as well. And when you're able to help them visually see that in their mind of here's where they are, their current state, here's where they want to be. We call that their objective state. What's the gap? All of these problems that your questions have now allowed them to see that they have. How do you think they view you now? They view you as the expert, as the, you know, the trusted authority who's going to take them from here and get them the result that they want. And that's why they will pay you whatever. They will literally throw money at you and feel that it's like a privilege to buy your product or service because you're going to get them the results they want. It's completely different. It's getting the prospect to think results-based thinking over cost or price-based thinking. And that can only be done by the right questions you're asking. Now, what are most salespeople been trained to do? We call them product pushers right? You're taught to ha- ask a few consultative questions. Oh, uh, John, can you tell me uh, two problems that you're having? Or uh, what keeps you awake at night, Kim? Oh, hate those. I mean, those questions are so overused and sounds like you're triggering them sales resistance. They hear that all the time. All right. And then what do you do? You go into your pitch talking about your, your, your product and your service and the features and the benefits and how you have the best this and you have the best that, which by the way, Doesn't every single salesperson you've ever talked to say they have the best product or service? How many salespeople have ever told you, yeah, Kim, uh, we've got the fifth best product in the market? No, nobody does, right? So when we say things like that, or we talk down about our competition, your prospects psychologically, just so everybody understands, actually trust you less than if you had not said that. If you actually compliment your competitors, they will actually trust you more. Okay. I think it's so funny when salespeople are like, what? If I don't talk bad about my competitors, they're going to trust me less? Of course they do. Because every salesperson does. You sound like everybody else. And it's like taking a bucket of mud and like throwing it up against the wall and like hoping and praying that something we're going to say is magically going to trigger them to buy. And I call that, you know, it's like, a, it's a, I heard the saying once, it's, it's hopium. It's like a drug that so many salespeople take. And business owners sometimes give to their salespeople where they just hope and pray that something they're going to say on the script is going to make them want to buy. And it's such a hard and, and really unpredictable way to make a living. Sorry about the rant. I love it. It was, it was, it was uh, bang on because that is the biggest, like a lot of the times, like if, even if I get sometimes um, guys might send me a call for review because they're like, oh, it's, I've, it's my leads, you know, because we obviously do marketing, we're, we're in the, the lead, uh, lead generation business. And then I'm like, oh, okay, great. Like, let's, let's have a look and listen. And then I'm like, oh, man, you really need to go and get some help. Like, you've got to go and speak to, uh, to, to Matt the Jeremy lead, because this yeah, doesn't. The lead yeah, raised their good. hand. The lead raised their hand, responded to an ad. They have a problem. They're raising their hand, like, help me. I'm filling out my information. And then the salesperson says, oh, the leads suck. What? No, it's not that they suck. It's just you don't know how to communicate to get that prospect to pull you in. The leads are good. And once you learn the right skills, you'll notice the shift and how those leads, instead of saying, we don't have any money, all of a sudden, magically find ways to get the money. It's all in your communication skills. 100%. And I, and I think that's it uh, for, for, for a lot of people. Now, for, for someone that goes in and say they've started to learn NEPQ and they understand these questions, uh, and they understand how to ask them. 
what sort of hurdles do people still face when it comes to that? Or is it, is it a little bit smoother process? Because I know that some people, when they get to know a new process, they kind of, they, they struggle still applying it because they still try and revert back to their old ways. And I think sometimes business owners are almost a little bit harder because they kind of have built their business and they know what they're doing. But if they're doing the sales as well, they get stuck in their ways a little bit. Um, what's what's the few ways for people to be able to step outside of that? And we just, we, we just train them like in our virtual training platform, you know, this, there's a reason why we had a virtual training platform built uh, with a company called Lightspeed BT out of, out of Las Vegas with, with Bradley, great friend of mine. And, and that's because we, in our mind, we always talk with the companies that we train the salespeople and we always ask this and something my, my good friend Brad uh, said once to me that stuck in mind. He said, you know, is training something that you do, like is training something that you did or is training something that you do? Well, if you want to be great at sales, if you have a business and you want to really scale your business, training is something you do every day. Okay. And like our virtual training platform, I mean, it's like 24 hours of like virtual training content besides our group training by me and our sales trainers and Matt, our CEO and Marco and all those. And it's split up in little chunks, 10, 15 minute chunks. So they can get on like, oh, you know what? I know I'm going to get this objection from this prospect. I need to watch that little training again for 10 minutes. And it's just constantly going through their head where they're you know, like companies we train, send their salespeople through that virtual training platform, 20 minutes a day, five days a week, every week, every month, every year, year after year. I mean, it just keeps going. It's like, they're constantly going there. So it's all about repetition. It's all about practicing it. Let me give you an example. It's like being an actress or actor in Hollywood or in any type of movie, depending on what country, you know, industry, your, your country you're in. Okay. The greatest of all actors, you know, let's say you're a George Clooney fan or you love Brad Pitt or you love uh, what's uh, what's the widow on the Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. That's my favorite. I love those, those movies. You know, they don't just like go in there like, oh, I've got some lines here. Let me read from the script while I'm auditioning. They memorize their lines. They memorize the lines. So that's why they get the part and they make it natural. So when we train salespeople, we train them actually how to memorize their questions. Okay. Not just read them from a script, not sit there on Zoom. And John, uh, tell me, uh, you know, like where they sound like a robot. So we train them how to memorize the questions with different exercises in our platform that get the, the training, the questions to stick in their brain. Okay. If that makes sense. So when they get on there, they sound natural. Like it's a natural conversation, but it's a very skilled conversation. Whereas I think a lot of trainers will, they'll bring them in and they'll train for a couple of days and they'll come away with a couple of questions. And then two weeks later, they've forgotten 90% of it and they just revert back to their old ways you know, we have classroom training too and virtual training, but we also, besides our Zoom training and, and classroom training, we have them go through virtual training all the time. So it just continually it subconsciously sleeps in their brain where it's like three years from now, I could be like, okay, I want you to uh, ask me two consequence questions at this point of the sale. And it's like them getting riding on, like jumping on back on a bike and just pedaling off because they just, it's automatically in their brain. So it's about repetition and it's about practice and it's about making the, the question's natural. And when it comes across natural, I'm telling you, like, it just shoots out. Like, you know, Google AdWords is one of our, our bigger clients, right? We trained three of their divisions. We came in within 90 days, got them a 244% uplift. But we got their sales management on board where they were constantly having their salespeople go through the material day in, day out, 30 minutes a day, day in. It was part of their workday. You come to work first 30 minutes. This is what you do. And that's why they get results because they got those questions in their mind and the tonality on how to ask them and results start immediately.
if you don't do any of that and you just like go through something one time and you just, you know, you're just going to revert back to what you're doing. And on top of that, obviously repetition is key. How important um, do you find like role playing for, and practice for them? You mentioned their practice as well. How, how important do you find that? percent important. So like in our virtual training platform, we have group role playing as well. So we have six group role playing training calls every single week for our clients that are in B2B, B2C by different sales trainers six every week that they can just tune in, tune in, they get the live, the replay, and they're role-playing constantly, even if they don't have time, because there's some of those where we have hundreds of people on at the same time. So we're not going to be able to role-play with everybody, but they'll hear five, six, seven role-plays. And it just, it just picks up in their mind, like, oh yeah, that's how I can apply that to what I sell. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm asking that question with the wrong tone. Like I need to memorize that question better. And that constant role-playing, and we teach, like we have account managers that teach their sales managers how to role-play in their environment, in their offices that pick that up. And they're, it's just, they live, breathe, and just, they live and breathe this stuff like all the time. We have uh, one of our clients that came to mind. It's called, it's a company called 401 Auto. They're the largest used car dealership in Canada. They have like 50 or 60 dealerships all over, scattered all over there. And they have this whole call center and they have like 30 freaking like 75 inch flat screen TVs. And they have our training plane all of the time. I mean, literally every recorded training call, the virtual training platform, they're in there for 10 hours a day, like calling leads. All they hear is the training all the time. And they are like, like this, they're buying out all these other car dealerships right now. So it's all about repetition. It's about role-playing because that's when it becomes like part of your life. Like you go back and you talk to your wife or your husband or your kids and you start communicating a different way. And then it just, it's just, it's not just you clock into the sales job and okay, now I'm going to, you know, go the NEPQ way. You go home. It's just part of how you communicate with anybody. I, uh, I think I could probably talk to you about sales stuff for, for ages and I'll make sure I stay on track. But what's, what's, <laughs> one, exa- what's one example of, as you mentioned there, going into, into the real world outside of sales, what's the example you might have of something cool where you were like, great, you use maybe NEPQ or a sales approach um, for something that was, that was in the real world? Because I know for me, same, it's like, even though I'm not a salesperson, like I have to know sales because it's my business and I have to I'll be able to get new clients on. And sometimes I'll do certain things like when I go and check into hotels or whatnot, I'll ask questions in a certain way uh, to see if there's like an, an opportunity for me to get an upgrade or something like that. Have you ever any experience where you've kind of used anything like that in, in the real world for uh, ethical, ethical persuasion? I could list about a hundred. I would say dating. You definitely use it in dating. Well, we'll talk about a controversial subject. What about dating? So, you know, my my wife is like a model from Europe. Okay. How would some dude like me meet some model from Europe, right? So randomly meet her. So instead of acting like, I mean, she's like a 10 of 10. She's like a 12 out of, you know, she's like above the Richter scale, like way out of my league. Okay. And so usually when a guy meets a girl like that, they're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, like chasing after them or whatever. But I'm like, no, 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 no. I need to stay detached. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really that interested. Okay. So it's, it's, it's that, but I, I think I remember one time when I, when I met her, I, I remember like putting my arm around her. I, what did I say to her that? And it was like total NEPQ. I'm like, man, I'm really good. I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> like, this is the first time I ever really used this in dating, but I remember like, you know what, uh, we, we had kind of talking and stuff and I'm like, you know what we should, um, I think we were in this like lounge or something. You know, there was some music, people were doing drinks and stuff or whatever. Like, you know what? Um, we, we need to find you a guy in here. And I put my arm around her and I'm like, you know what? Who's your type of guy? 
Um, and I pointed to like this guy who had like a big Afro and like crazy pants. I'm like, I think that's your type of guy. I'm like, no, 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 no. I think you like the the shorter guys over here. And I pointed to somebody it was like, you know, half her size. And she's like, what? Like he, it made her, it made her feel like I, what I didn't really wasn't that interested in her, if that makes sense. Like I've, I've got other options. Like I've got other clients, I guess you could say that. So that would be one way uh, that you definitely could use that for, uh, for dating. There you go. Yeah. That's a great, I love it. I love it. Don't tell my <laughs> wife. I hope she doesn't. <laughs> um, and now as we get towards the end of our time here together, um, I, I do love to ask one question, which is what's a question that I didn't ask you that I should have? Uh, oh, you forgot to ask me one question and then we're going to answer that. So you'd ask me to give your people maybe some free resources or something. So mm-hmm. if any of you on here listening want to learn more about NEPQ or some of those questions, like as an example, um, you're welcome. I, I told you that they're welcome to join our free Facebook group. So they can, if you want to put it in the show notes, uh, it's, I always forget it. It's yeah, it's www sales, yeah, salesrevolution.group. That's I always forget. So you can go to salesrevolution.group. And once you join, it's going to ask you a couple of survey questions like what industry you're in, what do you sell? It gives us more data, who's in our group. And right when you join, somebody in our team will message you, okay, a free training. It's called the NEPQ 101 mini course. And it's our CEO, Matt Ryder, breaking down NEPQ. And he's going to give you examples of connecting questions, like certain questions you want to ask to take the focus off you and put it on your prospect when you first initially talk to them on an outbound lead or inbound lead or whatever you are, maybe even cold calling. It's going to give you examples of situation questions and problem awareness questions that help them find out what their real problems are and the root cause and how those are affecting them. Solution awareness questions that get them to focus on what their future is going to look like once these problems are solved. Consequence questions. We didn't get into that. You know, What are the consequences if they don't do anything? So he's going to give you some of those questions. We'll give it to you as a free resource right when you join the Facebook group. Uh, just make sure you look in Facebook Messenger because we will message you in there. And then we go live in there about three to five times a week with different trainings, different Q&As. So if they want any of that type of stuff, just have them go to salesrevolution.group and they can get those uh, resources there. Now, one qu- ask me that question again. I, you got me sidetracked. What's one question you should have asked me? Yeah, what's one, one question I should have asked you that I didn't? Well, I think one good question that might help your audience is a lot of people when I'm at events, uh, I don't know why, but people always ask me like, Jeremy, if you could describe sales in one word, what would it be? And I'm like, you know, somebody asked me this about three years ago and I started and I'm like, I really need to think about that question. I need to have a good answer. I would say if I had to describe selling or sales in one word, it's this, it's change. It's change. Okay, sales is about one thing only. It's about change. It's about how good you are at helping your prospect view in their mind, not telling them, but helping them view in their mind that by them changing their situation, which means buying your product or service is far less risky for them than them doing nothing at all, staying in the status quo, their problems stay the same and nothing ever changes, which is more risky. Okay. So whether your prospect is you know, wanting something better, or they're trying to get away from that pain that you're able to help them feel in their mind. It's all about change. Now, I want to make sure everybody understands. Here's your problem. Most people do not like change. Human beings, we don't like change. So selling is about change, but human beings don't like change. Okay. Even though we say we do. Okay. And why is that? Because it makes us feel uncomfortable, like 
maybe unsettled, especially when it's initiated by some pushy salesperson who's ready to pitch their products or services that they have the best. So one thing we have to realize is that human behavior shows that we value something that is familiar, um, something is maybe consistent, even if we don't like it. Think battered wife syndrome. Why do they keep going back? It's familiar, even though we don't like it, over something that's new or unknown or foreign to us. So we have to understand we are not selling the thing. We're selling the results of what that thing does. So Kim, like if you're, you know, with your company, if you're you're talking to a business owner and you're selling them, you know, marketing services, you're not selling them the marketing services, you're selling them the results of what that does, which is better leads. You're not really even selling the leads, you're selling them more revenue because those leads equal more revenue. So we're always, we're not selling the thing. We have to get out of, we're selling the product or service. You're selling the results of what that product or service does. So, you know, one good consequence question that anybody can ask uh, that gets the prospect to really view the consequences of what will happen if they don't do anything. Now you can't ask this question in the first two minutes because there's no trust yet, but let's say three-fourths through the, uh, the conversation after you've got them to see what their future is going to look like, once all these problems are solved, you've asked them some solution awareness questions, you then want to yank it away and ask a consequence question that gets them to defend themselves on why they have to change. So a generic version might be something like this, like, okay, but John, and you ask in a skeptical voice, but what, what happens if you guys don't do anything about this and you, and you repeat back the problem for the next three, six, or 12 months? Okay, in, in your example, let's say if you sell lead services, marketing examples, I'll just give you an example. So, okay, but hold on though. What, what happens if you, if you guys don't do anything about this and you keep getting these lower quality leads to your sales team and your, your sales keep stagnating, like you mentioned, the next three, six, even 12 months from now? Like, what happens then? See, that's a consequence question that gets them to realize, like, shit, if we don't do anything, like, that's not good. And so when they start to realize, like, if we don't do anything about this, there's going to be consequences. What does that do in a person's mind? It builds urgency that they need to do something now, not later. Or, okay, but what are the possible ramifications if you don't do anything about solving this? See, that's a generic version. So that's an example of consequence questions. Like I said, if they want more examples, just have them join the Facebook group, salesrevolution.group, and we'll send them a free resource. Make sure they check Facebook Messenger because that's where we message it to them. Amazing. Lovely. As I said, I, I could probably jam out with you on sales and uh, pick your brain for hours and hours, but I really want to... It's about the only thing I know. <laughs> I really want to make sure we, we stay on time here. So, Jeremy, I really appreciate you jumping on and joining us today and, and sharing some of those insights with people. And guys, wherever you're listening or watching to this, Check above or below the show notes. We'll have links to the group there for you guys to jump in and uh, join. It's a great group. I'm in there myself, uh, always observing what these guys are up to, which is amazing. And if you know someone who is a business owner who maybe is stagnating with their sales or a salesperson who wants to get better and wants to you know, be able to solve all those problems Jeremy mentioned at the very beginning of this, um, of this uh, podcast, please share this episode with them. Get this out there and, and help us uh, spread any PQ and uh, some of Jeremy's wisdom with them all. And again, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you making the time. Yeah, Kim, uh, thanks. Uh, enjoy Australia. I, I, we, our corporate headquarters, international headquarters are in Sydney, and I have still not been there because we opened up the office a month before COVID. And I literally have not been to our corporate headquarters in Sydney, Australia. I still work here from our U.S. headquarters in Arizona, but it's different. You know, Matt's going to be over here pretty soon as, as well, flying over. I guess you guys are free now. I get to get out of the country. 
finally, yeah, we can finally move. So it's, uh, well, when you come over, you have to let us know. I'll, I'll pop over and, uh, and say good day. All right, man. All right, man. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Kim. I appreciate it. It was awesome being on your show. Big fan. Thanks, Jeremy. Cheers.